Tony Hines and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. Well, has the UK just taken the biggest gamble? With its budget statement last week, the markets don't like it. They've been driving down the exchange rate of the pound against other currencies since Friday. And the Chancellor hasn't really done anything to satisfy the markets that he has a plan for the future. I think the big problem, well, there are a number of problems, but the big problem is that there's been no forecast from the OBR, the Office of Budget Responsibility, to suggest that the plan is a sound economic plan. And some people think the Chancellor and the new government were trying to pull a fast one. That's what it appears to be. I read a piece today by Sir Stuart Rose. And for those of you that don't know, Sir Stuart was former head of Marks & Spencer, and he's currently chairman of Asda, one of the big four supermarkets in the UK. And he spent a a lifetime in retail in the UK, and he's well-respected. If anyone understands markets, then Sir Stuart is probably amongst the top few. And he's come out and said that it's a gamble. Now, I've called it casino economics, but Sir Stuart Rose put it this way. The government's mini-budget was like putting all the money on the 330 at Epsom, drawing a comparison to gambling, winner takes all. And it does look that way. At present, there's no confidence in the market that this plan, which is not backed up by evidence in terms of forecasts from the OBR and from scrutiny by Parliament, is going to work. So it looks like it's a a throw of the dice or a spin of the roulette wheel, which you heard a few moments ago. Now, you should drop by and listen to Supply Side Economics, which is a short podcast explaining what supply side economics actually is and how governments in the past have used it to try and control inflation. And it's a replay that we're watching right now, probably. But the circumstances are very different. And the policy that the government has implemented with the tax cuts to stimulate demand and grow the economy through demand in that way using fiscal policy, is completely at odds with the Bank of England strategy, which is to keep inflation low by driving interest rates up to take money out of the economy, to so to remove spending power with that monetary policy. Uh, and people have recognised that these things are conflicting. And I think external markets have recognised that there's something not quite right and they've placed it as a higher risk. Of course, the problem for UK economics policy here is that it's immediately pushed up the cost of borrowing. And there are three major mortgage providers in the UK that have withdrawn products from the market because of the uncertainty over interest rates currently. Those are fee-based products. And basically, if you pay a fee, you can buy into a lower mortgage rate. That was the plan. But they've withdrawn those products. So that's a 
a concern, but I don't think necessarily too much of a concern because there's something not quite right with the product as well, I think. And what's happening elsewhere is concern over the ability to service the debt that the government will be taking on, given that interest rates are likely to rise. Now, the bond rate has already pushed up, and that means there are many bonds that are paying too low an interest rate currently to be of any value. So the price of bonds is falling. So the bond market is usually where the government would raise a lot of money to have the ability to service debt. And if the bond market's not working properly, that won't happen. But the main concern is that interest rates could be four and a half, five, six percent. I mean, the forecast is that interest rates could go as high as six percent later in the year. And if they reach six percent, then the government's borrowing, it's borrowed enormous amounts of money. They'll have to pay a lot more money back for those loans. And so already it's difficult. So if any of the loans are in foreign currency, of course, they'll be even higher to repay because for anyone, not just for government, but for businesses too, but they'll have to pay higher rates because of the falling exchange rate. I was listening to one retailer who said already, and this is only a very small retailer by any standard, but they're going to have to pay another £4,000 on a bill this week for a consignment of goods arriving from China. And that's how their costs have pushed up since Friday. If they'd have paid the bill last week on Thursday, they'd have paid £4,000 less. And there's going to be a lot of people in that uncertainty zone. And so that really doesn't drive up growth. It simply drives up cost. And so this is some of the difficulty for people operating supply chains in international markets right now. It's that instability, that uncertainty brought about by COVID and Putin's war in Ukraine. But if the policies are also under scrutiny by the market, then that's problematic too, because it means they're going to push up risk. And when you push up risk, that pushes up the cost. So if you're a more risky country, well, the ability to borrow becomes more difficult and the interest rate you pay will be higher. And borrowing, of course, is more difficult as interest rates get higher. You can't borrow as much. So what looked like a good prospect with low interest rates is no longer a good prospect with interest rates because they're going up. The government took two steps. It tried to lower taxes and put those things back to where they were previously to try and release more money into the economy to stimulate demand, to keep demand growing. And that was a a deliberate measure to try and stimulate growth. But you got that being disrupted, that policy, by higher interest rates, which are trying to control inflation. So inflation is a real conundrum. And one of the problems is that uh, governments should be listening to the Treasury right now, where economists probably understand this problem better than the government does. The other problem, of course, is that there's little experience around whereby in 1979-1980, when the Thatcher government decided to adopt supply-side economics, they had to learn quickly how to manage the economy to gain control of inflation, drive costs down, 
and provide a more stable environment. But that experience isn't in the system anymore because that's a long time ago. That's 40 years ago. So it's difficult times and that's why it appears to be more of a gamble. Now if we look back to the strategy for growth, there are some good things in there which and some aspirations which are trying to stimulate the economy and control inflation. But one of the biggest problems, the energy costs had to be capped. And that in itself is a big cost. And the way the government decided to fund it through debt rather than a windfall tax on energy companies has really set the cat amongst the pigeons for many because people expected the energy companies to have to pay because they've got massive windfall profits presently. They're just sitting pretty and the government's missed an opportunity to tax that windfall and they've pushed the cost onto the public through general taxation. And that means everybody in the UK is going to have to pay higher taxes in the longer term, despite these short-term tax giveaways that the government implemented last week. So that might be classified as error number one. And many commentators think that's the case. Error number two is more fundamental. And that's not having a plan that's properly funded. And that's what makes it look like casino economics. In other words, a big gamble. Will it work or won't it work? And that's the key question. And that will be played out over the next few months. The Bank of England has come out and said they will put up interest rates if they need to, to protect the value of the pound. But it's going to be six weeks now before anything happens with regard to a new interest rate unless the bank has a special meeting before that date. And it's going to be nine weeks before the new Chancellor of the Exchequer, Kwasi Kwarteng, puts in place a proper plan with forecasts from the Office of Budget Responsibility. So these time lags are really painful. In that period, a lot can happen. This government has already spent far too much time navel-gazing over the summer looking at its own leadership problems when the nation was under pressure. And I think this is going to probably cost them at the next general election. And I'm amazed that things do take so long in government, very slow processes, very slow to react, and yet they expect everybody else to be able to act quickly using digital technology. But they don't use it themselves for voting processes, for implementing policies quickly for selecting their own leaders. So it's a bit odd, isn't it? Why do things take so long? It's like they don't care. And that's what it looks like, even if they do care. Now, the falling exchange rate, which means that the pound is losing value, so you get less for your money, will affect, of course, gas prices, energy prices coming in because they're based in dollar currencies. It'll affect oil products, so petrol, diesel will become more expensive, which means that the goods delivered to your home or to high street stores will also become more expensive. So distribution costs are going to rise. Food prices are going to increase as a result. 46% of the food that consumers buy in the UK comes from overseas and so that's affected by these exchange rates 
and technology, of course, things like mobile phones, computers and cars or trucks made abroad, they'll all become more expensive if the pound continues to tumble. So, if you're managing a business, what does all this mean? Well, it means if the exchange rate is falling and you're exporting, you may possibly get some more business because your products will be cheaper abroad for people to buy. On the other hand, if you're importing lots of goods or raw materials into your production processes, they're going to be a lot more expensive as a result of a falling exchange rate. As for interest rates, if interest rates rise, if you've borrowed money, so if your balance sheet is carrying more debt than equity, that's going to make your balance sheet position worse and it's going to drain some cash. So you're going to have a worsened cash flow position and it's going to impact profitability because, of course, the more loans you have, the more interest you'll be paying and those costs will rise as interest rates rise. So those are things to watch out for in the current times of uncertainty that we have. But these interest rates and particularly inflation, if we can't control inflation and costs keep rising, then of course all input costs will rise into the business, which means the only solution for most organisations is to recover some of that cost through increased prices. But if consumers are already under pressure with their own incomes falling as they too are affected by a reduced income or higher commitments for energy and food and everything else that they buy, housing, then they're not going to have as much disposable income to spend on the products provided by suppliers. So retail organisations are going to be hit and of course they're going to switch. Now some of the signals are already there for this because Aldi in the United Kingdom is a discount retailer that entered the market more latterly, but that's taken over the fourth position at present in the list of retail organisations. So at the top you have Tesco, then you have other retailers such as Asda, Sainsbury and previously Morrison. Now it's Morrison that have fallen out of the top four and Aldi have moved in. And that's because people are switching to lower cost unbranded products. And so there's a consumer change going on here. Now, with the government's choice to pay for all the tax reductions and, of course, the energy caps that they've introduced, this is going to push up, as we said, the borrowing requirement. And the national debt is already said to be about $2.4 trillion, which is about the same value of all the goods and services produced in the UK in a single year. So it's pretty high. About £376 billion was spent fighting COVID. So we've already had quite a big hit to the economy and we really need a plan to lower that debt over several years alongside the plans for spending. The government usually funds its borrowing from the bond market. A bond, of course, is simply a promise to pay someone money in the future. And for that, they receive an IOU. Government bonds are known as gilts and they seem to be very safe, little risk that the money will not be repaid. It's always repaid. It's guaranteed safe investment. But of course it has a relatively low return. It's not very risky usually. 
has a low return. The soaring inflation is leading to interest costs on government debt, hitting a record of £8.2 billion for August. And that's the highest figure since records began in 1997. The government is expected to spend over £100 billion in the current year and in the following year on debt interest payments. And that's more than it spends on education. The national debt, of course, is hardly ever paid off. It's not something to be paid off. I mean, there's a misunderstanding by the public about this, that governments aim to pay off the national debt. They simply take on national debt to cover medium-term spending. And it's always going to be there. It's just a question of how high it is and how affordable it is. But of course, with inflation, as national debt rises, in a way it also lowers, because if there's a lot of inflation, it's not the same value in the future as it is when the debt's taken on. So, for example, if you took a debt on, say, 50 years ago, obviously that debt would seem very low if we were to look at the debt today. So there are some upsides of funding by debt. Now, unusually, the International Monetary Fund have come out and made a statement about the UK's fiscal policy. And this is what they said. We're closely monitoring recent economic developments in the United Kingdom and are engaged with the authorities. We understand that the sizeable fiscal package announced aims at helping families and businesses deal with the energy shock and boosting growth via tax and supply measures. However, given elevated inflation pressure in many countries, including the United Kingdom, we do not recommend large and untargeted fiscal packages at this juncture, as it's important that fiscal policy does not work at cross-purposes to monetary policy. Furthermore, the nature of the UK measures will likely increase inequality. The November 23rd budget will present an early opportunity for the UK government to consider ways to provide support that is more targeted and re-evaluate tax measures, especially those that benefit high-income earners. So there we have it. That's the IMF's criticism of the UK strategy for growth. They do this in the context of what's going on in the global economy, and so they're worried that this intervention by the UK government could cause inflationary pressures elsewhere, I suppose, and uh, destabilise other economies. It is highly unusual for a G7 country to be wrapped over the knuckles like this. The Bank of England has also announced that it will begin buying back gilts next week, and it stopped the issuing of bonds for a short time. This is in response to steady the market and the concerns over UK debt. So is it a case that every member of the population in the UK is currently right now sitting inside the casino waiting for that wheel to spin and land favourably as a result of the government's recent economic policy changes? Only time will tell.
Well, that's it for this special edition, looking at the economic policy and what many have called casino economics. If you like this podcast, you should stop by and listen to Strategies for Growth and Supply Chain Economics. Both of these episodes are related to this current episode. So have a listen. I'll be back next time to look at the news roundup, all things impacting supply chains this week. So I'll see you then. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. Bye for now. Chain Reaction Podcast was written, presented, and produced by Tony Hines. Hi, I'm Tony Hines. I'm here to tell you about the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. I've been researching and writing about supply chains for over 25 years. I wrote my first book on supply chain strategies in the early 2000s. Each week we have special episodes on particular topics relating to supply chains. Now we have a weekly news roundup every Saturday at 12 noon. All things impacting global supply chains in that week. So come and join us on the Chain Reaction Podcast. I look forward to seeing you there. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. Bye for now.